0: How do you choose your business partner that you can grow a company with to $10 million in revenue without getting into a fight? Welcome to Venture Voice. This is your host, Greg Gallant. Today, my guests are the founders of what used to be GotVmail, now it's called Grasshopper, CMac, and David. They founded this company together while in Babson in 2003. I was actually a customer of it back when it was called GotVmail. Basically, if you want to have a phone system, so you call up a company, you get that message. Press one to talk to so and so. Press two to talk to so and so. You press the number, it gets forwarded to that person's phone line. That used to be called a PBX system, where you need to get hardware, spend up to tens of thousands of dollars to do it. Vmail makes that cheap and easy. You could sign up in a matter of minutes, spend $50 a month, and have that same solution that'll make your company sound really big. So they had that kind of simple idea to bring that to the marketplace, to bring what large companies had to entrepreneurs. The company has grown like wildfire since 2003. They're now over $10 million in revenue. They never had to take outside money. On our show, they tell us they did it all for less than $200,000. There were two things that really struck me about these two entrepreneurs. One was I had originally invited them on the show about six months ago. Usually just one entrepreneur comes on. They pretty much insisted on coming on together. And the other thing was that I just received a few days ago in the mail chocolate covered grasshoppers. They decided to rebrand their company from GotVmail, which was a descriptive name, to Grasshopper, which is a a brand that can mean almost anything. And to create buzz, they actually sourced chocolate-covered grasshoppers and sent them to 5,000 influencers. So today you can hear about how they built their business and how they just rebranded their business. Enjoy. I'd like to thank our new partner, FreshBooks, for sponsoring this episode. FreshBooks is an easy-to-use online invoicing service that saves you time, gets you paid faster, and makes you look Fortune 500 professional. To learn more, sign up. Go to FreshBooks.com and for a limited time, enter the code VENTURE to save $20 on your paid subscription, or go click their link from our website. I use FreshBooks to invoice sponsors, and it leaves me with more time to make this show for you. Guys, welcome to Venture Voice. How are you? Great. Uh, can you just uh, introduce yourselves really quick to the audience so we know uh, which one is which?
1: Sure. Uh, this is CMAC
2: Tagados, co-founder and CEO of Grasshopper. Uh, David Hauser, co-founder and CTO of Grasshopper.
0: Great. So, you know, I have a, a lot of questions to ask, but why don't we just start off? Uh, tell me how you met each other.
2: We uh,
1: went to Babson College and in boston summer of boston it's a school for entrepreneurship and uh... we met each other there after we both discovered that we had the same love of serving entrepreneurs and being in this space
0: okay so tell me well first with each one of you how do you how do you kind of discover this most people don't wouldn't describe their mission in college as serving entrepreneurs
2: <laughs> i think we both had uh, started a number of different companies and found ourselves uh, loving entrepreneurship, going to a school focused on entrepreneurship, uh, and it, really for the most part, each of our companies, um, did empower entrepreneurs in some way if it was providing a service that they couldn't otherwise get or, um, you know, providing a service specifically made for them. Um, that, that seemed to be the theme and I think we've kind of codified that better in the words now than at the time, but we both had the same feeling for what we wanted to do to help
0: entrepreneurs. And so can you each tell me what you, Kind of your biggest uh, win before that, or you know what what company you did that you were most proud of
2: uh, sure
1: before Babson i uh, I actually I founded a company that uh, distributed pagers throughout the u s because being in high school and uh, having very little cash and looking for a pager service, and as did a lot of my friends, I saw that there's a need there I think uh, you know each time that I personally saw something that I needed, and I saw my friends need, uh, I said to myself, "Yeah, maybe there's a business opportunity here." So, you know, the last one before uh, we started uh, Grasshopper was the pager one, and I think that's what led to the telecommunications and mo- mobility aspect of uh, searching for a solution for myself. Uh, when 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 I was running the company, you know, I used to get phone calls on my cell phone and. Um, or no, actually, not a cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone, but I used to call on my house phone. And when my mom used to pick up the phone, or went to it went to the answering machine. Uh, I said to myself, there must be a better solution for me as a work-at-home entrepreneur for a, a phone service. And that's where uh, Grasshopper came into play.
2: Yeah. So the company before uh, Grasshopper for me was Return Path um, email management and uh, performance management with an email. Um, and that company is still going in New York. I was one of the early founders, um, and uh, since then they've acquired a number of different companies and, and grown uh, or diversified from the original theme, but I'm um, pretty proud of that.
0: And what was it that caused each of you to leave your prior venture?
2: Um, I, I left because I was going to Babson. <laughs> um, I started the other company when I was a senior in high school, so uh, my mom told me I kind of had to go to college. I didn't have much of a choice. So. Um, that that was why i left,
1: and uh for me, I just knew that pagers were a dying technology um, at least for for ninety nine percent of the population and cell phones was were a very, doctor or a drug dealer <laughs> <laughs> and uh I knew cell phones were becoming more and more popular, and the ability to uh have multiple people working together using cell phones would be big, and that's where uh you know we said i said pagers are 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 done.
0: Well, I'm glad the lesson you took out of that wasn't to uh, figure out how to help drug dealers.
1: <laughs> I think it all has to do with your, with your upbringing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so both of you go to college and what year did you start college?
1: I, I started in uh, '99. I started
2: in 2000.
0: And how exactly did you meet at college?
2: we had mutual friends or something I kind of say we were both doing in different you know similar things but in different spaces at the time
1: yeah I remember I think it was an email from David uh, that I got that said hey I, you know uh, heard about what you want to do on the telecommunication side and seeing the business plan uh, competition at Babson and uh, you know we spoke over email and then we met saw that you know, our strengths complemented each other's and uh, we just decided to just dive in and the, and the funny thing is, Now that you think back at it, you know, there was no due diligence. You know, who is this person you want to partner up with? Do we mesh? Do we not mesh? It was, you know, we were very naive back then, but I think that was what led to, uh, you know, led to more of a successful partnership than anyway would happen at our age now. You know, now you get lawyers involved and you think about the past and references and let's check out the, you know, what they've done before. But back then it was just, you know, we love the same thing. Let's just do it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it
0: doesn't. That's an interesting insight. So so did one of you already have this idea when you met, or did you meet and you guys were like, hey, let's just try to come up with something together?
2: I think we were both looking at the same space at the same time.
0: Yeah. What does that mean?
2: Well, what happened was uh,
1: I had uh, written a business plan um, along with uh, group group for uh, coursework, for Babson coursework. And then David was... Working on on his own business plan for, this, for for exactly the same thing, for exactly the same kind of pro, uh, solution that Grasshopper provides. So at the same time, and then uh, one of our, I think a mutual friend w- that introduced us, that, that that told David about what I was doing, uh, and we basically looked at each other and said, "Hey, we're 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 going to be doing the same exact thing." And so rather than competing with each other, uh, we decided to partner up. So it was it was pretty interesting that two two people at the same school. We're looking at the same exact uh, business model.
0: And how many conversations did that take? Was it just like you sat down for coffee one time and decided, or was it you know several dinners? Or how did it happen?
1: Like two conversations, one over one one thread over email, and then the other one we just met up and shook hands and
2: formed a company.
0: (laughs) So you shake hands. Was the very next thing you did was? kind of go to a lawyer and do the paperwork to start the company or did you start building walk me through those first steps
2: i think the thing is we did it in tandem we definitely got the paperwork in pretty pretty, pretty easily and quickly because you don't have to do much but we started building right away yeah.
0: how'd you split up the equity and decide who had what role
1: just equally it was uh... you know it's it's where we're both bringing different things to the table and so um there's no reason to, you know, worry about the, de- the details in the equity side because we both know if we're going to make it successful enough. The, you know, the exact percentage of ownership and everything is just, it's just minor de- details when you're both doing exactly the same thing. Um, so, you know, and I previously worked at a uh, at a startup that introduced me to Bastion called College Coach, uh, and along with the founders, I. Um, I helped them in terms of their, their strategy, their marketing plan, their legal and everything. So I just took uh, you know a lot of things that I learned on the on the legal side, and operating agreements, and shares, investing, and all that good stuff. And within a day, I had all the documents that, that David and I needed to get started. Had an, had an, an attorney review them all, uh, make sure everything was okay. And uh, and at the same time, we met and kind of started specing out how we wanted the service to work and what we needed as, as entrepreneurs ourselves. Uh, and, and that's what kind of David took, took that uh, list and then just started developing it while well, I worked on the marketing and the branding of the, of the company.
0: And so I know your company started in 2003. Exactly when was this that you met and shook hands and decided to work together?
1: I think it was uh, we met December of '02. January of '03, we, uh, we, we formed. And um, by June 1st of '03 is when we launched. We had our first customer turned on. So it took us about six months uh, from shaking hands to uh, turning up our first customer.
0: And so tell me, what were those six months like? You know, there, it's it's always kind of a very different stage in a company where it's all pie in the sky and there's no customers. How'd you spend your time? What kind of hours were you working? You know, what what were those six months?
2: Uh, well. I, I was in school at the time, um, so you know, I, I was responsible for developing the application and you know, working with the partners that we had to do that, um, learning a lot about telecom and how all those things work. Uh, and the key being that we hadn't raised any money and we weren't planning on it and still haven't. Um, so we had to do it as efficiently as possible, and, and our goal being getting, a, getting customers live, not creating the absolute perfect um, a- application, um, creating an application that was usable and um, what was needed by our customers being entrepreneurs. Uh, hours wise, uh, I don't really remember. Um, I doubt my girlfriend was too happy at the time because I wasn't around much, but <laughs> I don't remember what the hours were.
1: And I, I even know that David decided to um, reduce his coursework to a and to focus more, in, more on this as well. I uh,
2: know I condensed it too. I was going to school like two times a week all day.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right, that's right. And uh, me, by that time I, I had finished, uh, I was supposed to graduate 2003, uh, uh, but I, I finished courses, all my courses in December of 02. So I was working on this full time on the, kind of on the, on the management side, on the, on the marketing branding, making sure that everything is, uh, all set for, uh, for Go Life, for the day we launched. And that's what kind of helped us, uh, so it, as we worked on this together, we knew we had six months to plan for everything, and that's why within after two months we had we had broken even um, all the investment that that we had made. But it would have never happened if we hadn't planned for it for six months. You know, like, to uh, measure out all the marketing, all the ads that we were going to have, all the click stuff that we we were going to do. And and back then, Google, um, AdWords, and Yahoo, and all those things weren't as popular as they are today. So it was lo- it was a lot easier to get. uh to get um, visitors and orders and everything as, as, it is, as it is now.
0: So how much money did you need to invest into this or to just spend to get this up and running over those six months?
1: Um, we don't really fully disclose the amount of startup capital we had, but uh, a typical telecommunications company to get started, like if we were doing it today, you know, it would be millions, and we started off with basically nothing. So, then, And that was more of David's... Uh, genius in terms of working with vendors and getting amazing contracts for that, you know, making vendors understand what we, what we were doing and kind of you use our youth to our advantage, you know, and sell them into, into giving us great terms that we wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't necessarily give to larger companies that want to come get started in this field.
0: And for entrepreneurs who are listening who are in college, I mean, you know, are you talking about having to spend, like, order of magnitude, like, 1000 bucks ten thousand a hundred thousand like what kind of order of magnitude does it really take to get these things started
2: we
1: we we spent you know to get started we we did it with uh under two hundred thousand um, so it's not like you can't start it with five thousand dollars no, but it all depends on what you want to do if you're starting your web two company you can that doesn't require hardware and 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 all the things that we have, then you can get started with basically nothing, especially with the tools available
2: today out there for them. Uh, and that's what a lot of the students are doing, especially at Babson. Yeah, I mean, today you have a lot more stuff available. And we we, have, we were limited by the telecom infrastructure and some pretty expensive equipment. So a lot of that cost that we had was really telecom equipment that today uh, is starting to be virtualized. But you know, back then there was no cloud computing. There was nothing like that. Um, Today, you, you can you know have those servers up and running and scale them pretty quickly. And if you want, you can even use some people for cloud telecom stuff, although they're not that mature yet. Uh, just wasn't an option. So that, that's where a lot of the cost came from. So basically what
1: we're saying is if, if whoever is listening wants to get in the space and compete with us, you can do it a lot faster and easier and cheaper than we did.
0: <laughs> so... What was the I mean we know what the service is now, and we'll talk more about that later, but with what you could build in those six months first you know what was your what was your initial pitch to customers going out, and what were the key features that it had
2: well, I think the feature wise you know we don't have super complex features we never really cared about those things, and uh, that was one of the benefits of not having venture capital money at the time um, was you know, we didn't have someone pressuring us for cool features that they needed to sell to their, you know, investors or portfolio or whatever else. We were doing things that customers actually wanted. So it was pretty simple, forwarding calls to where they wanted based on schedules, multiple extensions with voicemail, on-hold music, you know, customized greetings, all that stuff. Um, so the feature set was quite simple, um, which, you know, allowed for us to easily build it. It was just how we packaged it.
0: And so tell me about that uh you know it's pretty clear that you have to spend the 6 months actually building the product. I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't spend 6 months before launch thinking about how to market it. Tell me about what you uh you know what you spent those 6 months on the marketing side.
1: Well um on the marketing side it was you know understanding first of all entrepreneurs are a very elusive you know vertical or market to target because it's not really a, a defined space it's just anybody who is starting a company who can who is driving change so you can't really go and look at SEC codes about that you know, and there's no SEC code on how I'm an entrepreneur um, so it's just a matter of, what kind of understanding learning you know using the tools available at Babson and you know, using our own experiences to understand where they are what magazines they read where do they visit what websites etc and then starting out building the Planned out that way. So, for example, you know, I would go through all the keyword lists on Google and make sure everything for the paperbook side was ready to go. You know, getting the website up and ready, and and in a way that 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 spoke to entrepreneurs, uh, who didn't care about technology, infrastructure, and telecommunications. You know, um, uh, buzzwords, and uh, you know, finding the magazines and and and. Uh, Creating kind of a chart of you know what what are the few magazines like Business 2.0 back then I loved uh, Entrepreneur magazine that we were going to place ads and, you know today we don't do a lot of things that we did back then but it's because you learn a lot as you as you grow a company and you learn about how to generate buzz without spending advertising dollars um, but but back then it was more traditional stuff getting it ready for launch. Um, then it's just being a, a matter of being a part of the dialogue. So, if, you know, if, if if entrepreneurs at Babson, for example, are talking, or, or students at Babson, you know, are starting companies, um, making sure they understand that we are providing a service and, and they can get signed up as soon as we, we launch.
0: And so you mentioned that you did advertising, Google AdWords. Of that startup cost, you said was under $200,000. What percentage of that went to actually building the system versus to paying for, you know, advertising and other marketing initiatives that require hard cash?
1: Um, I would say almost 90% of all that went to developing the, the infrastructure. I think the interesting is we, we took on a negative cash conversion cycle uh, strategy, which, which even, uh, you know, Babson's written about in, in their – Exist in the current entrepreneurship book, um, course book, because you know we didn't take any of the of the investment dollars and say we're going to spend you know fifty thousand dollars on 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 advertising. You know we basically spent the money that we generated from 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 profits. And so from you know on month one we we our our marketing spend was minimal because everything that uh, we had done was what you know word of mouth. But then as pro, as revenues increase and profits increase, we took that uh, we took that and just. Increase the market, increase the bids, increased the amount of you know Google ads. You know, got a bigger ad in the next issue of, of Business 2.0. Just basically, marketing was very you know, it's complete opposite of of normal startups where they take a lot of venture capital and say, "I'm I'm going to invest a million dollars in, in marketing." Obviously, it's a very slow process, and when you're um, when you're 20 years old, you have that kind of you have that time and and luxury. But now, obviously, if we're going to do it all over again. We would, you know, ramp up marketing just like we are our current campaign with the chocolate-covered grasshoppers. You invest some money, you invest, uh, um, you know, time and resources to make sure that at a brand launch, everyone knows about you.
0: And so here you were starting from the first days, kind of doing it simple on the cheap. How do you find it split up, getting customers between word of mouth and kind of organic methods? versus paying for advertising and uh, and Google AdWords in particular? Because I know a lot of companies that started around the time you did really drove a lot with Google AdWords because, as you said, it was kind of undervalued at the time.
1: Oh, 100%. When we first started, if it wasn't for AdWords, we wouldn't have been able to grow as fast as we did. Um, So I would say you know 90% after the first few months, 90% of orders were, were coming in through Google. Um, then it's just a matter of we started you know, creating a referral program and, and getting our customers uh, talking about us and getting uh, and having them drive orders to us. But the whole buzz and word of mouth and uh, and you know and and the focus on that didn't happen for, for a few years. Um, really pushing it, you know. Obviously today that would be the number one thing and generating buzz is the number one thing, and ad words and advertising and sponsorships are would come secondary.
0: Did you notice at a certain point of time where maybe Google got too expensive, or you know, at what point did you kind of reach a limitation as to what kind of growth you could accomplish using Google?
1: Well, we've we've yet to reach a limit limitation point with them. You know, it's still you know our our strategy is getting the best entrepreneurs at a certain you know cost per per uh, order. So we. We make sure that all our spend on Google is optimized for that. Obviously, you know, there if we if we triple, quadruple our our advertising dollars with them, there will be diminishing returns, and you know, we're not going to get, you know, it's not going to increase orders by four or five times. But there's still opportunity to increase, you know, to to grow with that. But our goal is to is, is to grow through word of mouth now and buzz, because I think that's going to have a longer term impact on the company and the brand as a whole, rather than straight customer
2: acquisitions through Google.
0: Great. And so let's, uh, let's back up to how do you go about building your team? Like between January and June, was it just the two of you working together or did you hire other people?
2: Yeah, so it was just the two of us. Um, even when we started, we had those first customers. We were answering phones and emails for customer support and sales and you know everything else, of course, using our system. So it seemed like we were a larger company and uh, we're all in the same office, although we, we weren't. I was probably between a class and CMAC was, you know, uh, in his car at the office. Um, so I think the first person we brought on was probably in the third or fourth month after we had got customers up and running. Um, and uh, he's still here today, and, you know, since then we've we've spent a lot of time really building out not only the team but our culture, and, and something that we care a lot about is our, is our work culture here and our core values and um, the things that uh, define who we are.
0: And so David, you were in college when you started this. Did you graduate?
2: I did, yep. Uh, (laughs) I I started a semester late and I graduated a semester late. So I think I graduated um, technically December, uh, so it was 2005 technically, but uh, my degree says 2004.
0: And so so meanwhile, you know, the company, you launch it together, it's growing. You both kind of got into this around the company. No due diligence? Did you ever have fights, big differences in vision as to how to grow or how to spend money?
2: No, we get that question quite a lot, I think, because a lot of partnerships don't work. (laughs) Um, But our skills complement each other pretty well. And um, I think the trust was built pretty early because uh, how we built, you know, there was nothing in place to say we don't trust each other, right? There were no documents saying from day one that we don't trust each other, which is what a lot of partnerships end up with um, going through lawyers and whatever else. And from there, I, we both had the same vision of growing out an amazing brand for entrepreneurs, um, not just providing some service that entrepreneurs need.
1: I think the the one uh, important thing about us is that we, we know that we always have to keep educating ourselves and looking forward to reading about what the best companies are doing and you know, what, what the best companies doing for, for, for culture or for branding, et cetera. And so knowing that there's always more to learn and there's always more case studies to read and there's always more courses to take uh we're always open to new things so we we've we've done everything at least once right we've we've blown advertising dollars on on making a stupid decision but just to see you know if 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 there are going to be any you know beneficial outcomes uh and and knowing the fact that we're going to try everything once and we're going to make mistakes and but we're not going to we're not going to think too much about them we're just going to le- learn from them Really helps us kind of work together because you know there are, there are partnerships when when one person makes a decision and it fails and then they get into a fight or I told you so this and that but you know we we know that that would never happen. At the same time, I think what what also works is that it's always it's it's a kind of like a like a marriage, right? You have a you always try to you know have. One message to to uh, your audience or your employees, so that even if there's an in, if there's a conflict that, that David and, and I have, for example, we make sure that we settle it ourselves and not let it get um, to anybody else. Like, not let anybody else uh, see that. Or or there's a conflict of CMAX said this or David said that. It's always let's have you know one message unified so that everybody thinks or, or knows we're all on the same team.
0: And do you guys, you know, I guess there's always a big social element to a company, too. Are you guys kind of friends outside of the company, just go and hang out, or is it kind of like you see enough of each other at the company?
1: <laughs> uh, I think we should hang out more. <laughs> but, no, it's uh, we we didn't meet as friends, so we just met as business partners. And I think that's uh, – but to be honest, I think that's one of the be- uh, the – benefits of our partnership is that we were never friends to begin with, so there was never that that conflict. So it's a lot it's a lot easier now to interact socially or go out, you know, have a drink, et cetera, than it would be if you start off that way and then you want to start a company together.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. And, and kind of working together and it sounds like you, you obviously talked to lots of other entrepreneurs, some of whom have successful partnerships and not. Do you think you know a lot of it is that it, there's this kind of lucky that you know you two got together, and you were both able to work together, or do you think there are a lot of kind of lessons that you know can be gleaned from your partnership that other people should kind of apply differently when they think about partnering up?
2: Well, I think one of the initial benefits we had is we both went to Babson, so um, we we came from a you know a viewpoint of understanding you know not just one side of the business but all parts of it. Um, no, no matter you know what our expertise was or what we liked to do or what we were good at, you know Babson really provided a well-rounded you know, entrepreneurial education that showed all parts of the company from marketing through finance. Um, so that initially I think helped, and then as CMax said, I think not being necessarily social friends to start out with was positive, positive. Um, and then really skills that, that complemented each other, um, you know, and. Uh, the ability to figure out where those, you know, not lines were, but, you know, where expertise laid and, you know, how to to learn more. Uh, And I think we both have learned a lot from each other in the past six years. Um, So the the partnership has grown in that direction.
1: And uh, one thing that I've noticed that any advice that I would give to somebody who is looking for, you know, partnering up with someone is, is, is to find a business partner that's an entrepreneur. And not uh, a specific, a specific uh, and doesn't play a specific role. So, for example, I have uh, I have friends who start companies who want to take on, for example, the guy who's going to develop his website as his business partner, which is very, very wrong because that person is not an entrepreneur; they're a website developer, right? Uh, just because you need the services or or their help to get started, it doesn't mean they make a good business partner. And I think that's what you know. We found that being entrepreneurs yeah I you know um, David's focus is technology, and my focus is is branding and and and, and growing sales, but we both can do each, each other's role me myself less than he can, for example. Um, but I think that's the important distinction is to find a business partner who is an entrepreneur and not uh, and, and not a specific role.
0: Great. so so let's get back into the story of your business. So you launched in June, you said a couple months later you broke even. Yes. And now, so tell me, you know, you hit break even, you've got a handful of customers. How do you go about, you know, how, how'd your lives change? What were you doing for those next few years? Let's say between, I guess the, you know, the later half of 03 to maybe 05, like what did you spend those first couple of years doing after you were in the marketplace? It
2: really just spent a lot of time growing like crazy. I mean, Looking back at it, we were hiring people pretty quickly. We were expanding very rapidly, and, um, you know, it was, a, it was a lot of, you know, movement very quickly from adding features and, you know, uh, customer requested things to the application all the way through, you know, improving our brand and marketing uh, the entire time. I think uh, three years in, we launched a new website. Yeah.
0: And then were you able to support all of that growth just with uh, the cash flow that came in, or did you get additional investment or loans?
2: No, so we we, we haven't raised any outside money at all.
0: So now outside, like, did you even have like a, a bank loan or anything to kind of edge it along, or it was just all you know the credit card money coming in?
2: I think you know we do have to say for sure, Amex helped us a lot and uh, really stepped up and you know provided a lot of resources to us and still do do today, and we utilize that um, significantly and uh, their, their points are pretty nice too. Um, so that, that helped, uh, but yeah, I mean, tra- traditional, financing, yeah, um, a line of credit here and there, or whatever we needed to, you know, get, get through something small, but, you know, nothing that was strategically, you know, raised or went outside of the company to, uh, maintain it, maintain resources.
0: And so being in that, being in that cycle, what was the hardest thing? What, where did you guys feel the most challenged those first couple of years?
1: Well, the challenge of anybody's going to face difficulty growing a company with uh, no additional cash to be able to play with, right? But in hindsight, I think that was the the, the, we were in a perfect situation because we didn't waste money. We didn't take anybody else's money to learn with. It was our money, so we were very, very uh, strict about what we wanted to do with it. Um, Because as as much as you don't want to admit. Being being 22 and having 10 million dollars of VC capital to play around with, I'm sure we would have not have made the, you know, the best decisions. But because we didn't have that, we were faced to optimize uh, our service, our, our our product, you know, our website, everything ourselves to maximize uh, uh, revenues, and to maximize the value for our customers. So we had to learn a lot on our own dime, and that helped us as we grew. Because now, you know, when you make millions of dollars in revenue. Uh, you're not going to make the mistakes that uh, you know, most people would because you learned how to manage money when you have $10,000 a month in revenue versus a million dollars a month in, in, in revenue and optimize. The other thing is, is that by not having cash to be able to and not having the luxury to hire a lot of, a lot of different outside quote-unquote experts, we learned every single part of the company ourselves. So for example, if I just, if I formed a partnership, you know, our first partnership and needed a, uh, needed a partner agreement, rather than calling up an attorney who's going to charge me $2,000 for an agreement, I spent half a day researching law, you know, uh, Googling different partner applications and understanding the, you know, the benefits, the risks, the rewards about how to, how to form a, uh, a partnership. And then I put all all the legal stuff together myself and then had an attorney review it for 20 minutes, for example, and save a lot of money that way and learn about the legal side of partnerships. The same thing for marketing and branding and online. So so every part of uh, of of the company, David and I learned ourselves. We implemented our own vision and strategy, and then when we hired employees for that role... They, they took what we wanted versus you know hiring a vP from a large company to come in and and tell them what to do and i think then in, in hindsight not having money to begin with was very very helpful helpful for us
0: and so tell me in those first two years it sounds like you know it is kind of due to lack of resources when there were mistakes there were probably small mistakes but what was the biggest mistake you made like was there anything where you look back and you're like well, you know, we we learn, but oh man, what were you thinking?
1: You know, it's funny uh, these these questions about what's your number one regret, the biggest mistake you've ever met. Um, you, you get asked all the time, and we I I don't have a real answer for it. And I think one of the reasons for that is you know having gone to Babson and reading a thousand case studies from Babson and and Harvard Business School case studies, you know that if you don't Learn about what people have done in the past and mistakes they've made. You're going to make the same mistakes. So we always try to prevent large mistakes from happening um, by kind of educating ourselves. You know, so I, I don't know. Maybe David has. I don't know.
2: I think if we, if I had to pick something, I think it would be um, taking PR outside of the company and using a firm. I mean, it's not a large mistake, but no. that's the only thing I look back on and say, if we had done that differently, maybe you know, maybe the results at the time would have been different, but. For sure, now, and we know this very well, doing, uh, you know, PR and buzz and, you know, that type of outreach internal to the company compared with an agency is tremendously more successful.
1: 100%. Now, we've we've stopped outsourcing um, creative or anything related to uh, growing a brand, and everything is in-house. But then again, that's one of those things, had we not done that, we would not have learned our lesson to be able to do it, to bring it in-house, you know. So for anybody else out there, I would definitely say, yeah, David is right. You don't hire a, a PR firm unless you are huge and you need it uh, or for a specific thing. But everything, you can hire in, uh, hire somebody to, to do it in-house or do it yourself, and you can get a lot more value
2: out of it. Yeah, not only value, I think it's authenticity, too. You know, because you're doing it yourself. It's not some agency sitting there and, coming up with their 400th idea or thing for another client and you're just one of many, you know, it's, it's authentic. And I think that's where you know, our brand is very successful
0: now. That's interesting. I, I get contacted by a lot of startups where they do have outside agencies, both big and small, but you guys, you don't know outside agency for PR or advertising. It's all just internal people making those calls and doing the outreach.
1: Oh, absolutely. Everything is in-house. You know, I'll give you an example. We hired... Um, When we were doing everything and I didn't have really any time to focus on PR outreach, we hired a a PR firm. After six months of retainer, uh, essentially throwing money away, um, we hired someone to come in-house and work as the VP of PR and he was tremendously helpful in, 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 in generating awareness around the company and getting a lot of press and buzz and, as David said, adding authenticity to our company and our stories to young entrepreneurs. Um, so I would, you know, sorry to any any PR person out there, but I would say for a startup, it's it's a waste of money to hire somebody outside.
2: Yeah, and I think you'll see if you if you speak to you know our 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 PR person, which the title is actually ambassador of buzz, because um, you know PR for the most part is dead, sending out press releases and stuff like that. A, no one pays attention to them. No one really cares. Um, but it's a lot of spam, really. Uh, so editors aren't looking at it. So you know, we're reaching out to people that actually want to hear from us and you know, have a real story to tell, and it's something that we can help them do. Uh, so if you speak to our ambassador Buzz, you'll see it's a very different approach that we take now because we're doing it internally, and an agency could never do that.
0: Great. So, so I looked up your numbers on the Inc. 5,000. So according to that, your 2003 revenue was just north of 400000 and then your 2006 revenue was $8.8 million. So that's a you know that's obviously a, a really quick growth. You went from you know two employees to twenty six. Was that kind of even? Did it grow consistently, or were there a lot of jumps? How, how did that happen?
1: Yeah, it, it grew consistently from two thousand and three to two thousand and six. Um, then, with any growing company, you have your sales and growth starts to plateau and that's where the entrepreneurs kinda have to make a decision of what's next, right? Um, Some companies uh, bring on a new CEO, some companies go on some big retreat and to figure out and uh, make decisions of what to do next with the company and some entrepreneurs exit. Uh, What we did is we saw this growth and we said what do we need to do to um, basically Generate the same amount of growth moving forward, and that's what we spent 2007, 2008 planning for. Uh, and 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 you see now with Grasshopper, the new brand launch and everything, that is a result of you know sitting in sitting in a room and kind of seeing what's next for us.
0: Great. So let's walk through that a little bit more. First of all, what caused it to plateau? I mean, this is this is a product that you know conceivably almost any small business could use. So you know, it, it doesn't seem like it'd be the case where you just kind of saturated the market, right, that seems kind of infinite. So, so what caused this plateau?
2: So I don't think it has anything to do with the market or um, the, the need for the service as much as if you look at the growth patterns of um, entrepreneurial companies, it becomes a scaling issue and understanding, you know, how a company changes as it scales. And those traditional plateaus are, you know, right around where we hit them. It, it's when you get to the 1 million mark, you have one set of scaling issues. When you get to the 10 million mark, you have another set. Then you have 20 and then 50. Those are kind of the general um, marks where you hit different types of companies and different types of structures where you have different management. You know, In a $1 million company, it's probably pretty flat. At a $50 million company, you probably have to have some middle managers that are managing other aspects of the company. Um, so I think the revenue plateau is pretty well matched to typical growth patterns for entrepreneurial companies compared with the industry
0: not, you know, being saturated or being saturated. That's yeah. interesting. So first, uh, well, when you hit 1 million, I guess that would have been what, around 04? Uh, I, yeah. So was that a, was that, how'd you overcome that plateau? Or, or, or did you kind of find a plateau at 1 million, just like you later reached a 10?
2: I don't think we saw a plateau there. Um, I think because we were just growing so quickly. So the yeah. difference wasn't, that large, and because of the type of service we offer, um, the, the plateau wasn't there. I think you see it more in companies that have inventory and you know real scaling issues at that that volume. Um, where us, we're, we're providing a service, and you know a very attractive negative cash flow cycle that CMax spoke about, where you know we're collecting our money by a credit card, we're not billing, we do not you know accounts receivable, and all this other stuff that you would typically see at the at that type of range.
0: So tell me then about when, when did you hit the plateau, how long did it take you to realize you hit a plateau, and, and then let's get into the rest.
1: Sure. Um, if you look, well, we always knew that uh, our original brand name, GotVemail, was uh, going to be difficult to create a global brand around simply because it's kind of a you know, hard name to pronounce, remember. Spell. Spell. All the all the good things you need in a a successful marketing campaign, right? And um, in addition to that, it's our our customers were all early adopters, so you know they were more tech savvy. They were they bought Blackberries, but no one knew what a Blackberry was. You know, it's it's they're they're the kind of customers that there's a limited supply of those kind of tech savvy, you know, forward-thinking entrepreneurs who understand that there are services like ours that exist, right? So. Getting them to spread word of mouth and buzz and everything under a brand like Godiva was difficult. You know, we had to spend a lot more money on on, on advertising to spell the name. Basically, it was not what we wanted. Uh, as we saw, our big, huge company brand uh, being under that uh, name. So that's one of the things that I think we we wanted to update our brand name. And our, our, our look and feel and our messaging and to become kind of the umbrella brand for entrepreneurs. Forget telecommunications, but create first a brand for entrepreneurs that then provides tools and services that empower them to succeed. Um, and I think that fell in line with our thought because we always knew that there's going to be a point where gut email is going to get kind of uh, old and it'll be difficult to to brand. And, and and we hit that mark exactly at the at the time that David said, um, around the $10 million mark. And uh, that's why we decided to change and improve the product based on six years of listening to customers and, and understanding what they want and what they need to grow, uh, grow their business.
0: And so when exactly did that realization happen? You said like, what was that, 07? 07, yeah. So, you know, it took six months to launch a company. You have this realization in 07. Now you're putting the plans to work you know, two years later, Oh nine, what, you know, what, what made it take that, you know, relatively that long compared to just launching the whole thing from scratch?
2: Well, I think, you know, the, the difference being our priority the entire time is providing the best possible service to our, you know, thousands and thousands of customers. Um, so we're actively providing service to them, which means, you know, we can't focus a hundred percent of resources on changing or growing or doing whatever else. Um, and no matter what we did and no matter what we decided, everyone in the company knew that the priority is making sure that those customers are served the best way possible. Um, so the, the resources were a little bit different. Um, and also, I think we stepped back, and you know some of the, the mistakes you might make when you're first growing, we didn't make again, and we, we did the right things. Um, and, it, and it took a little bit longer. Uh, and also timing-wise, we wanted to coincide some of the branding stuff um, and, and the name change to Grasshopper and changing our brand with a lot of other things we were doing, uh, launching a, 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 labs division, uh, launching a new software platform, putting it all together as a package just provided some timing issues.
0: So tell me, your last name was very descriptive, got Vmail. how did you come up with the name Grasshopper?
1: <laughs> we, uh, I think it was one of our, hundredth conversations that David and I have of hey we need a better brand name.
2: I think every year we had that. Conversation. Yeah, every year, <laughs>
1: and, and, it, and it typically happened after I got off the phone with somebody trying to spell my first name last name at God's email, and they and they and they have no idea what I'm talking about, and uh, and we we were looking at different you know names and brands and insects and animals and this and that and, and and you know I don't know how we thought of the word grasshopper but then if you just think about it, a grasshopper it's an insect it's young it's small it can do a lot it's green you know, it can jump a lot further than it's, than the size of its own body. So that little insect can do big, powerful stuff. Um, and it was cool. I think there's no, you know, you've never, I, I, I guarantee you've never thought of or heard that word grasshopper unless you're watching Kung Fu or reading about it in science books, right, or, 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 or telling somebody, hey, young grasshopper. And so there was no real brand around grasshopper, um, and we knew that we had what it took as a company to make this brand be as powerful as any other brand like a Google, a Yahoo, a Monster brands that really don't speak to the product itself um, and you know it was and you can have a cool mascot with it too so
2: <laughs> I think your question hit it right on there. I mean, our past name was descriptive that's exactly what we didn't want and wouldn't be successful as a brand and we saw it you know how it was not successful as a brand and needed something that, that could be a global brand and could be something that entrepreneurs anywhere can identify with, um, and not, you know, have, of course, the spelling issues and everything else. Um, but, it, it, again, was too descriptive. Today we provide a virtual, you know, an advanced phone number for entrepreneurs, um, but that that's not our mission. Our mission is to empower entrepreneurs to succeed. If that means services and products that are different tomorrow, then that's what it will be.
0: Was it scary, though, to give up on the name that carried your company to $10 million?
1: Absolutely not. You know, we... we Loved, got Gmail. So, uh, you know, we started it. It was our baby, etc. But a as entrepreneurs, after six years of doing the same thing, you kind of get tired. You know, to be very, to be very straightforward, and that's why entrepreneurs after after a few years they exit, right? And they, they do something new. But we knew that we had a lot lot more to, to do, and, and 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 that was our way of exiting got Gmail, right? Um, as a brand, but. I think there was one point where like a few months after we decided of the name change, uh, where Dave and I sat down and I'm like, is, is it normal not to think about this once, like not to doubt our decision one time? Or, or you know, and we decided that it was it was time to, to change it.
0: Does this signal that, you know, up until now you've spent, you know, you'd spent those six years growing with a company, with a single product, you know, totally focused on that product, does this signal that you're going to offer different products?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll see those things, and we're, we're actively working on it, and the key being listening to what our customers are asking for and what we need as entrepreneurs, so solving our own problems um, with products or services, and, and we'll stay uh, super and, and hyper focused on our market of entrepreneurs. It's, it's our mission. It's what we believe. It's what's in our core values. It's what our employees live every day.
1: You know, our our goal is, uh, is is to have a million entrepreneurs, right? Uh, as customers, so that might mean you have you know x hundred thousand of them under the advanced phone number. Uh, uh, You're using advanced phone number, then another hundred thousand using another last product or whatever it means. Grasshopper as a brand is going to have a million entrepreneur customers.
0: And why now? Why not? You know, there, there are other companies we've had on the show, like 37 Signals and, and Joel Spolsky's company, where they've, you know, at earlier stages in their company, they've launched multiple products. Uh, well, ha- well, first, have you tried doing any products up until now, and, and why is this moment right for you?
2: Well, I, I think um, in terms of products-wise, yeah, we, we understand how to launch multiple products, and we've done it internally on the voice side and uh, worked with a number of other people who wanted specific things. Um, for us, it's really coming from customers uh, and, and defining what those needs are and listening to them, uh, and what, why is it at the right time? I think the right time is because there is no brand for entrepreneurs, and that's what we're creating. Uh, and our goal is to create that ultimate brand for entrepreneurs. Uh, so you look at Virgin and uh, you know, the, the mystique around that brand and what it's done in music and airlines and everything else, and that's a consumer brand. Uh, and we're creating a brand for entrepreneurs
1: but well, we will not dress up in drag.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's required.
2: Hey, yeah. Maybe when I own, like, 50 planes, I'd be happy to do that like uh, Richard Branson, but that's different.
0: You know, so this is, uh, it, it's got to be kind of a fun change to start driving new products. How how do you plan on, well, first, do you have any ideas for the next products right now, and either way, you know, how do you, how do you kind of manage that process of coming up with the ideas?
2: Sure, um... The first key is listening to the customers, and, you know, we've done that for a long time, so we have a long list of things people have asked for. Now, you know, obviously, the key is to figure out what the most requested things are and what actually provides value someone would be willing to pay for. I think using the same model that, that we started uh, this company with, which is what would we actually pay for and how much would we pay for? Um, very simple question. It's not, you know, complex market research and all sorts of crazy things. It's what do we want and what will we pay for? Uh, yes we have a number of products we're, we're actively looking at and working on and you know, our labs division is um, you know working on that and, and, and you'll see those things coming out um, for sure you know initially I think it focuses on some of our key um, pain points as we've grown around uh, HR and uh, related items as well as um, you know metrics and growth
0: which product are you most excited about
2: yeah um, and it's a, it's a hard, hard question right now. Uh, there, there's probably at least four or five that, that I'm very excited about personally that we're you know, actively prototyping. Um, it, it's hard to say until we really get customers on it, and you know, our, our goal is to rapidly prototype these things and have customers on them very quickly. We have a, a large customer base that, that wants to be on that and, and is asking for those things. So um, the faster we can do that, I think I can answer the question better with which one we're most excited about.
0: Well, well, so, for example, you know, what's one of the ideas?
2: <laughs> that, that, that was the question I was waiting for, right? I, I think the, the, um, the first one you'll see coming out will definitely be in the HR space um, around uh, resume collection and management.
0: It's an interesting one to pick. And and so as you have these, do you worry that, you know, you're kind of throwing your brand out there? So whereas we've got Vmail back in the day, it was like, hey, let's just figure out the minimum to make it work. Now, you know, you're established, you've invested this money into your brand, you know, it kind of ups the bar. Maybe it'll make you feel a little less agile than you did when you had nothing.
1: No, 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 no. You know, we, being entrepreneurial is, is, is one of our core values. So, uh, and we look at the past six years uh, as maybe like Godfrey University, you know, learn everything you can in the past six years and make sure that you implement, um, all the best lessons you've learned and and, and ideas that, that you've uh, gathered for Grasshopper. So no, absolutely not. We you know we're very excited about each each one of the Lab's products that we're we're working on. At the same time, Grasshopper, you know, we've we're much more efficient in terms of our, our releases, our, our our marketing and branding. So it's actually much more fun now than it was back then. Yeah. It's it, it today with Grasshopper, you know. Um, I had the same feeling as I had on day one with Got Email. Like you're back into startup mode. You're back into um, growing something new, developing new products and services and and and, and targeting new uh, new customers. Yeah, we're a bigger company, but the spirit is still the same as back then.
0: So tell me the makeup of the company. How many people are working there now?
2: So we have uh, just under 50 people. We have... Uh, Our headquarters in Needham, Massachusetts, and we also have an office in Austin, Texas, Um, and that's been there for just under two years now, I think, Uh, two years. Um, Makeup-wise, it's a highly technical staff overall. Um, You know, I think if you look at the total company, it's probably about 70% technical right now, Um, some sort of technical bent, Um, and then the rest being in marketing operations and, uh, significant number of people. Operations are pretty technical as well.
0: So tell me. So that means you have like about you know what thirty guys on the tech side. So like your best five engineers are they working on Got V or the the advanced phone number product or are they working in the labs right now?
2: Uh, so labs Labs is a new division and um, a number of our uh, current employees are, are working there and, and implementing those things. Their primary focus is still the advanced phone number. Um, platform or, or whatever it is, um, and you know that's what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and I think if you look at labs, it's it's more of uh, if you look at Google Labs, where you know pretty much any employee who wants to can work on those products um, where their skills fit.
0: Tell me about how you executed this for branding, because uh, I know there are a lot of entrepreneurs out there, and I've had other people on the show where. You know, just like you, they launch a company, they realize it's not really the name to keep with, but at the same time, you know, branding is always a really hard thing. So, right after you came up with that name, Grasshopper, what, you know, what was the kind of plan to really get people to know your new name?
1: It was, um, it was, a. we looked at it in uh, different steps. One, on the on the product side, we made sure that the uh, Grasshopper products and everything, the look and feel of it, we developed all the, uh, the websites and the, and, and, the, and the color scheme and everything to make sure that it looks like a brand new product and brand. Uh, in terms of the launch and re- rebrand campaign, we knew that we had to associate Grasshopper with entrepreneurship. You know, forget the product, forget the service, forget the price point, everything. We want Grasshopper equals entrepreneur. Entrepreneur equals Grasshopper. So that's what we knew would be a part of the brand uh, launch. And so we decided to. Uh, and and the timing is we're at a point right now in our in our economy where uh, the only people that are going to drive real change and and turn it around are entrepreneurs. So it's a perfect timing to launch Grasshopper in this economy. Uh, and so we came out with an entrepreneur can change the world video, an entrepreneur movement that kind of is getting people to think entrepreneurship again, inspire entrepreneurship. And so uh, as, as part of the launch, we had to make a lot of buzz. We had to have an amazing service and products. And we had to drive people to a, uh, a, an entrepreneur movement to kind of understand that Grasshopper equals entrepreneurship. So we took everything uh, that, that we knew that we had learned about marketing and brand building and buzz and, and creating a product and launched it all at once with Grasshopper.
0: And part of that was sending chocolate-covered grasshoppers to uh, a bunch of people, <laughs> yeah. myself included.
1: It was, uh, you know, we knew that we had to make a lot of buzz, uh, and we did not have millions of dollars to spend on advertising. So, you know, and I'm just, I just love uh, when you can tie a a campaign, a promotion, uh, with the exact name of the brand that you're promoting, and and chocolate-covered grasshoppers, you know, it was a perfect fit. And, you know, in America, it's not really a common thing to eat them. So we knew we were going to make a lot of noise and make it exclusive. So I think the fact that we sent it out to the 5,000 top influencers in America uh, made it exclusive enough to a point where there are people calling us and asking us why they were not included on that list because they're important. Mm -hmm. Um, So just last week, I had to send 5,001 to an L.A. Weekly editor, and, uh, and so I think that, that was important to get people talking and the fact that it was a FedEx and that there was no mention of the product or, or service um, anywhere.
2: Yeah, I think what was really successful about the campaign is that uh, it, it, was, it was very different. Lots of people sent lots of crap out in the mail, to be you know, quite honest and simple about it. Um, but this was interesting. As CMAX said, there was no letter included. There was nothing else. All it had was a tag that directed you to that video. Um, and you know, again, we weren't sending it to people to buy our product. It wasn't sent to you know customers or potential customers. It was sent to the people who talk and the people who are influencers, and you know, a lot of them being entrepreneurs. But they might not even be our target customer, and they might not need our service. But um, they talk to a lot of other entrepreneurs. Um, and you know, making that list of influencers took a long time and a lot of effort.
0: And how do you source those grasshoppers?
2: <laughs> um, I spent a lot of time um, ch- trying to figure out where to buy them uh, and uh, learning a lot about uh, how grasshoppers are raised and um, in what countries they're raised. Uh, but these particular ones are raised in the U.S. Um, specifically for um, consumption in candy. Uh, so that there's um, a few companies we worked with to source this many of them, a total of 25,000 um, dipped in chocolate. So. Uh, it was quite an in- undertaking and then uh, it was quite a scene to see them all packed into bags and tagged in FedEx envelopes all over the, uh, our training center.
0: So what ended up costing you per package?
2: Uh, I don't have that, that cost in front of me. Um, we are going to be putting together a, a full case study that includes uh, all that stuff because a lot of people have asked. We've had marketing professors, we've had business people, blogs, everything else ask about that. So we are going to put together a full case study and make it available to anyone
0: who wants it. I mean, on the rebranding, I guess, you know, people always want to know like what kind of budget did it take? I mean, I imagine even if this took, you know, $20 per package between shipping and all that, that's a hundred grand for that piece of it. And then I'm sure you have lots of other pieces of it. So, you know, overall, what would you say it really costs to kind of launch this new brand? Yeah, I
1: would say, uh, with, with the direct mail piece, with the FedExes, with the video creation, uh was uh, less than 200000 so uh, uh, It kind
0: of goes back to your founding, right? You, yeah. Everything you do is less than
1: $200,000. It's a magic number. If we ever write a book, we can write it as le- for uh, getting started with less than 200000
2: <laughs> Better buy that domain name.
1: Yeah, that's right. Hey, no one buy it.
0: <laughs> oh, well, let's we'll have a little race right now. <laughs> And so, tell me, looking ahead, you know, it's really ambitious, kind of be the Virgin. So it sounds like your your kind of mission is to be what Virgin is to consumers. You want to be for entrepreneurs, top brand for entrepreneurs. What have you learned from Virgin, or you know, what kind of ideas do you have yourself on? You know, what what really does it take to get there?
2: I think part of the uh, what vir- makes Virgin very successful is the total experience. So it's not just you know what their brand looks like. It's what their store smells like when you walk in. How their people treat you, uh, and that goes back to the culture. I want Timak to talk about that because you know, I think he's experienced the, the Virgin experience a number of times, um, flying there and also a number of their stores. But I think the other thing that's, that's really important is looking at how Virgin structures structures a lot of their companies. And um, last time I heard Richard Branson speak, he talked about the, the structure of his companies, which they're all small entrepreneurial endeavors. So they're all under the same brand, but you take virgin money who he happened to acquire uh, and it's run as its own company, board of directors and annual report whatever else would typically happen and it has the virgin brand so as we're starting to really grow out and, and develop those things, we want to keep that entrepreneurial um, spirit no matter how big we are and it's a pretty interesting way to 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 look at building those entities
0: and, and that kind of brings up an interesting point I know one of the ways they grew virgin is that Richard Branson has been able to kind of finance everything because each company will have its own set of investors or partners and bring a lot of money to the table, whereas so far your company, it sounds like, is very kind of tightly controlled. Do you, are, are you thinking of making that switch where you do different ventures kind of spinning out with other investors and other stakeholders and other CEOs, or do you think you can do it kind of more like you're set up now?
2: I think the difference is um, he's in a very capital inefficient business, airlines, music, you know, major retail stores, stuff like that. We're in a very capital efficient business and we want to maintain that. Um, So, you know, the goal is, yes, to build out those entities in in that fashion where they are an entrepreneurial venture and they do control themselves and they can have different branding, and they can have all those things, um, but not necessarily needing money. I, I don't think the structure is a function of needing money. It's just, he happens to be building businesses that need
0: money. Yeah. Okay, so you just did this relaunch. Do you have uh, what kind of metrics do you have so far that you're kind of using to measure the success?
1: Well, looking at the video that we created for the entrepreneur movements, you know, our goal was within two weeks uh, fifty thousand uh, views on it, and I think by today we have fifty four thousand views, and it's exactly been two weeks since we we put it up. We have the top entrepreneurs around the country and influencers talking about the campaign, talking about Grasshopper, tweeting about it, blogging about it. Uh, we have- Making videos, eating Grasshoppers. Yeah. If you take a, you know, go grasshoppercom slash 5,000, and that's where, where we are taking all the feedback and the buzz around the campaign, and we're putting it up there. You can see uh, Fox News anchors eating them on, on air. You have- uh, um, I think there was a show yesterday that that aired a morning show that we're going to put up there. We have customers or people eating them and putting up photos. You know, all all that is going to be up on the slash five thousand page. Um, I think what's very interesting is that the amount of impact that it's having on on people watching that video and be, and getting ins- um, inspired. So if you look at the comments on YouTube, uh, you see, or the comments that we we get ourselves. You know, it made me cry. It made me realize what I'm doing is important. It made me. Uh, happy uh, to be an entrepreneur. Um, the president of Basson, uh, you know, wants to, for example, use the video uh, at, in, in different uh, occasions when he gives uh, speeches about Batson. And then finally, I saw that there are a lot of conferences on innovation and entrepreneurship that are now opening up the conference with video and talking about the grasshopper entrepreneur movement. And all of this has happened within two weeks, uh, so it's so it's been hugely successful for us.
2: And by the way, you can access that video at grasshopper.com slash idea just to make it real easy. Oh, that's right. That, grasshopper.com
1: <laughs> slash
0: idea. Yeah. yeah. Great. And we'll put lots of links on our site too. And, and let me just <laughs> close with let us talk about the future. You know, do you got there are some entrepreneurs who work where they just kind of take it as they come, other people are maniacal, you know, with where they want to be in one year, five years. What's what's your outlook?
2: Well I think uh, internally at the company, we take planning very seriously. So we have all those those plans in place and we have a 10 year goal and every employee knows it. And we have one year and three year goals and quarterly planning and all that stuff. Um, so that I think is, is very solid and really points to where we're going as a company.
0: What is the, uh, one in 10 year goal?
2: I have no idea what I'm
1: going to do in 10 years. (laughs) Well, (laughs) the internal 10 year goal is the, is the 1 million entrepreneurs, uh, under the grasshopper brand.
0: And how many do you have now?
1: We have, uh, just under fifty thousand. Yeah, 50, we yeah we about fifty thousand now.
0: So ten years, roughly ten times growth, a little bit less.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then yeah, David's reasonable? Yeah, <laughs> and and as David said, in terms of, you know for for ourselves, I'm not sure where we're going to be first in ten years, but I know that we want to be running a, uh, the Virgin brand for entrepreneurs.
0: Okay, well that's a great goal and good luck, gentlemen. Thanks, hey. Craig. That's all for this edition of Venture Voice. It was fun to hear a story where first it starts off with a really simple solution and now you're seeing these entrepreneurs turn to something much more ambitious. Also, I'm still working up the guts to try these chocolate-covered grasshoppers. My business partner tried them, said they taste kinda like Kit Kats. I'm not convinced. I'd like to thank my sponsor, Fresh Books. Great online invoicing service that we use to get paid. Quickly and on time. If you want to follow through any of the links of anything mentioned on the show or respond, a lot of times our past guests will comment and respond to your thoughts. Go to venturevoice.com. And thanks to my associate producer, Eddie Lebaton, for putting the show together for you. Until next time, this is Greg Gallant with Venture Voice, Entertaining Entrepreneurship.